0: Welcome, everybody, and thanks for listening and subscribing to Behind the Screen. I am your host, JT Kane, and I'm here with my very, very good friend
1: Matt Corey, and we are here to talk to you about auditions. Hey, Matt, how are you? Hey, thanks for uh, you know modifying the intro back to what it should be. Well, last time you gave me you gave me such a hard time about it. I had to add two varies. Yeah, well. Mike, he dropped it entirely last time. Like He'd been calling me his friend for 24 episodes. We go back <laughs> to the 90s together. And yeah. then suddenly the line is just missing from the intro.
0: Well, if, if you listen to Damari McGill's um, podcast, you'll know why. I'll <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're, uh, we're here to talk about auditions, uh, specifically orchestra auditions that uh, take place behind a screen, hence the name behind the screen, as everybody knows. And we hope that our discussions our guests, and, uh, and everything that we say on here will be a resource to anyone who is currently taking auditions, or really just really anyone who's interested uh, in the
1: audition process. And this podcast is brought to you by Insight for the Blind, a very special recording studio based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where over 100 volunteers produce talking books and magazines for the blind and physically handicapped so that all may read. See for yourself at insightfortheblind.org. Thank you to Insight for the Blind, and
0: thank you, Matt, for um, for leading them in such a, a
1: wonderful way. I'm sure all of your 100 or plus volunteers are happy that you're at the helm. I realized that we haven't actually had our full contingent of volunteers for some time, but now that things seem to be opening back up, we're kind of slowly back. getting back to that number. Uh, good. So it's it's been good. Yeah, that's great.
0: Well, look, I want to welcome one of um, one of my dear. Uh, friends and coaches that I bring to New World Symphony a lot, the principal trumpet of the Cleveland Orchestra, Michael Sachs. Mike, thank you so much for being on the show.
2: Hey, man. Thank you, JT. It's great to be here.
0: It's really great that you're here. I'm so glad that you uh, you could take the time to be with us and talk about auditions, um, which... uh, you know, I'm sure you have some experience in, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Yeah, on both sides of the screen. Not exactly. Once on one side more than the other for the last thirty plus years, but <laughs> but definitely, yeah, definitely some experience on both sides.
0: Indeed, indeed. So let, let me ask though. So you started uh, with the Cleveland Orchestra in 1988, if if I read that correctly, mm-hmm. and then before that, you were with Houston Symphony, right?
2: Yep. Yeah, I was
0: in Houston for a little over two years. When did you get Houston? Like, I'm just kind of trying to put together, like, from when you graduated uh, school to when you when you got Houston Symphony. Was there time in between that you had other things?
2: Um, no, uh, actually, I graduated my undergraduate from UCLA. Yeah. And then I went to Juilliard because I didn't get a music degree at UCLA. I started all over again as a freshman as a 21 year old freshman at Juilliard, oh. the beginning of my junior year, technically at Juilliard is when I won the Houston job, but I didn't, I, I didn't start in Houston until the following June Yeah, and that was o- October. So I just went into a professional studies program the rest of the year, did all the playing, yeah. didn't take the classes and then went to Houston.
0: Yeah. Cause you, you know, I read that you got a degree from UCLA in history. Yep. That's really cool. Did you want to be a history professor and then go to trumpet? Or did you do history first because it was kind of like a, like a backup or something?
2: I took a very different road. I mean, yeah. um, my parents weren't musicians. My dad ran an ad agency. Okay. And in his mind, my path was going to be get an undergraduate degree. Whatever I do with trumpet, I can get that out of my system. Yeah go to law school or get an MBA and eventually swing around and work for him or take over his business. Yeah. And I kind of screwed that up because yeah. I wanted to be a trumpet player. So I took I was I was getting the history degree because I was always interested in history and mm-hmm. I've always loved history. So it was something that interested me and was something I loved studying. But I was taking all the lessons and playing in all the groups and doing everything anybody who's studying music would be performing and and studying I just wasn't taking the classes so that's kind of how I landed in New York you know four years later when you were in
0: New York did you do a lot of like side gigs and things like that because you don't only play classical music right you you did you'd had a lot of different genres that you played
2: Look, I love rock music yeah. personally. I mean, my first concert was going to Queen when I was 16 yes. and you know, and so, you know, that's really where where my my heart lays in a lot of yeah. ways. But um no, I mean, I played in rock bands and and did some big band stuff and everything, but you know, I'm not a jazz player. I can't I can't improvise my way out of a paper bag. <laughs> I and tried that uh, once. You're never going to hear me do it because it's unbelievably embarrassing. But you know, I have always had a good ear, so I've been able to, to copy. If if I have it written out and I hear somebody play it, I can I can kind of play in that style and that's kinda sure. how I learned a lot of stylistic stuff. But no, I love other genres. I love, you know, listening to, you know, Arturo Sandoval and mm-hmm. Winton and yeah, you know, any any of what those guys do. It's it's stunning and, and inspiring. But yeah, you know, to be able to play like that you know i'll 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 buy a ticket and watch right. them kill it so. exactly yeah yeah
0: i actually i did a um volbeam well, from miami going to school here i i played with arturo a few times oh, and wow. uh, it was very cool we we did uh we did a concert where first half was hide and tropical cero and then the second half he did jazz and stuff like and it was just unbelievable it was so cool yeah yeah
2: well, both those guys I mentioned. I mean, those guys, yeah. uh, you know, can play anything you put in front of them.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. whether
2: it's a Haydn concerto or, you know, some crazy bebop tone. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's, it's incredible. But yeah. no, I, I, I love that. I love that stuff, and I'm inspired by it. But I wouldn't say I'm a one trick pony. But you know, I'm, I'm much more of a. You know, orchestral sure. you know, classical guy, you know, chamber well, music
0: guy. Yeah, and, and the reason I asked was was only because like for those people that are, are listening and that think that classical musicians are only they only listen to classical music and that's all they do, or for those that, that really that's all they do, it's it's I think it's really a good Way to kind of get away from being in that box, you know, really exploring Mm -hmm. outside of you know what you what you would typically do, and I think it helps. I mean, do you agree? Do you think that Mm -hmm. by playing different things and knowing different types of genres help you
2: out? Absolutely. I mean, I I I mean, I mentioned Queen, which I'm I'm a huge Queen and Freddie Mercury fan, (laughs) and you know, you watch Freddie Mercury perform, Mm -hmm. and you watch any of the videos. And he is giving hundred and ten percent. Every move he makes, every note he sings, every gesture he makes, everything he does, he is fully committed and hundred percent in. And yeah. you know, to me, the, and any great artist, any great athlete, you know, they, that's what they have in common: is that kind of commitment and that kind of compelling presence that they create. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in his case, a very charismatic. Musical and artistic presence. Yeah, I'm a big Eddie Van Halen fan, or Steve Ray Vaughan, or Jimi Hendrix. I, li- yeah. I like the guitar guys mm-hmm. or drum guys, Neil Peart, or yes. you know Steve Gadd. I mean, there's a lot of different guys that you know I listened to over the years in, in in these different genres that have been absolutely huge influences in what I do in the orchestra.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, from when you took your audition for the Cleveland Orchestra in 1988 to now, I mean, auditions have have changed. I would imagine. Uh, from from what you did in your audition for the Cleveland Orchestra, was it an invite audition? Was it like was it like it is now, where it's you know three four rounds?
2: It was similar. I mean, I mean the Cleveland Orchestra was an anomaly even back mm-hmm. then, yeah. in that the Cleveland Orchestra did not use screens. Yeah, there were no screens for the prelims or finals. The committee was composed of, and it still is, of the conducting staff, including the music director, from the first note of the prelims to the last note of the finals. Um, It's all the, for brass auditions, all the principal brass, plus the remaining members of the section, plus an at-large member, another uh, horn player or or, or trombone player from the section. And the the makeup of the committee is the exact same as my audition. The only difference now is that we now have a screen for the prelim. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I actually was not invited initially. Really? David Zauder, who was... The wonderful personnel manager, longtime second trumpet player, became very much a, a second father to me, as much a father as my own dad. And I always gave him so much grief because he didn't invite me because he said my resume looks skimpy and then I didn't have any principal yeah. experience. Which was total BS, but that's a whole nother story. (laughs) Were you principal in Houston? No. No, I was fourth utility. Okay. But, you know, I mean, I'd done done Tanglewood. I'd done what's now NRO, Colorado Phil. I'd been to Aspen. I'd played for, you know, a number of master classes for, you know, big name guys who would vouch for me. And it was one of those things, you know, did I have a principal job on my resume? No, but I had advanced in the two big auditions that had just happened prior to the finals. Which were they? One for Dallas and one for St. Louis.
0: Nice, okay.
2: for uh, One was co-principal in Dallas, one was for uh, assistant or associate in St. Louis. Mm. And, you know, I mean, I had all the earmarks of somebody who I now would look at and immediately want to invite because I would say, okay, this is a young guy on the way up. Yeah. But the way Zouter did the resumes, and this was very old school, for principal job, if you didn't have a principal job or principal experience you weren't invited you had to send and and back then there weren't there wasn't even a tape round
0: oh, if really? you
2: weren't invited you weren't, you weren't invited. invited yeah so the only way in was i had five people call on my behalf and vouch for me good yeah and 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 speak up for me and you know by the by the fifth guy, finally, from what I understand, it, it was Mark Gould. He said, "All right, all right, enough already. I'll invite the kid." You know.
0: <laughs> well, I guess if Mark if Mark uh, gives gives a call to somebody and and vouches for you, I guess that's that's uh, usually that's that, fair. that
2: holds a decent amount of weight. Yeah, but sure. but I mean, the auditions now. I mean, we're just going through some auditions right now for for principal trombone and bass trombone. Yeah. And you know, we'll get to 250 resumes. Will the committee will go through the resumes? You have to have a majority of the committee. To invite somebody, or in a couple of cases, some bigger name players called this up or called the PM office and said, This is somebody who is a huge talent. I wouldn't vouch for them if I didn't think they could step in and do the mm-hmm. job tomorrow. You're not going to waste your time. Please invite them. Of course, we're going to invite somebody like that. Sure.
0: You mentioned yeah, bass trombone, principal trombone. I know you've mm-hmm. got like a uh, section viola and concert master concert master, and bass, right? Don't you have a bass audition also?
2: Assistant principal bass or associate principal bass. And yeah. right
0: now, at this time, you I think the Cleveland Orchestra is probably like one of the only few orchestras that actually have auditions scheduled for for September.
2: Yeah, we have the end of September, the tromboner, middle, middle end of October. So yeah. fingers crossed we can pull it off. I mean, if everybody yeah. behaves themselves, we'll... We'll get there. But. So,
0: I mean, just to just to kind of talk about real quick, um, the yeah. I know the auditions that you guys have. From what I've seen, anyway, they're they're day long.
2: It's probably less. I know some orchestras. It's a cattle call. Anybody wants yeah. to come and play, they can come and play. But the the orchestra reserves the right; they can cut them off at any point. Any point, yeah. Um, for us, we typically like to invite back from my audition. When I audition, I think there were twenty six people who were there. Twenty seven. Mm-hmm. Typically now we want to be in the 35 to 40 that we end okay. up inviting. And now, as opposed to when I took the audition, we do have people can send in a recording if they wish. There's a list that we send out for those who aren't invited. And we'll usually invite a handful from that. You will usually hear yeah. some tapes. But, you know, We'll also hear some tapes of people and you hear toilets flushing and cars honking and uh, sirens and dogs barking and yes. you name it, I've, I've heard it on a tape.
0: I'm sure. Yeah, and that you know, we we've talked to a number of of the of our guests about doing tape round, like so. You know, th- talking about just doing a tape round, a preliminary tape round, and to give just a number of people access to do that and. You know we've talked about maybe like having you know a union every every local having a their every everybody's got the same microphone the same setup and then people can go there take that audition uh, and then send it in and then the committee has you know you can have more time to listen to it and you're not so exhausted at the end of the day there's a lot of a lot of positives to it there's also a lot of negatives like you know if you don't have that kind of control quality control you can really just get some pretty awful kind of recordings
2: yeah i mean if you're beholden to somebody else's recording setup you yeah. could end up in a funky situation where you don't feel like you sound like yourself and ultimately you know it's 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 like any any meeting with a ceo of a big corporation mm-hmm. if you're going to go meet i don't know you I, Choose anybody, you know, the head of GE. You know, you're going to walk into their office. I mean, you're going to dress nicely. You're going to present yourself appropriately. Your resume is going to look a certain way. I mean, this is your audible resume in a sense to put your best foot forward. So wanting to control that and wanting to control the quality of what you sound like. uh, But I also see the pluses of having something a little bit more of a neutral setting for those that don't have access to nice equipment that can only – Afford to do it on an iPhone or a Zoom or yeah. something, but
0: even the iPhones nowadays are are the, the the quality of their recordings are they're fairly they're fairly good. I like the idea of just allowing access to, for everybody yeah. to have you know so they're not spending you know hundreds and hundreds of dollars
2: exactly. to travel
0: for a five minute you know and then I'll you know it, that's that to me is is the difficult part the downside of auditions obviously right
2: yeah you know, I always feel very conflicted because on one hand. I want to be very gracious and I want to be inviting and I want people to have a chance. On the other hand, if I know somebody doesn't, have really a chance to to do this, and I hear that I'd, I'd I'd rather save them time and the money and the aggravation.
0: Yeah, sure, exactly.
2: But but at the same time, you never know. I mean, people know. come out of nowhere, and yeah, you know, all of a sudden somebody gets their their act together in a couple months and things gel in a light bulb moment and bang, and they they're they're ready.
0: Yeah, things just kind of click. Things all of a sudden, you're yeah, that you yeah. have that exactly that light bulb moment. I like that. Yeah,
2: I mean that. that's why that's why I like. I mean, I'm not a big fan of inviting somebody back eight times for an audition. But, you know, over a course of time, especially if somebody's young, I mean, there's a a few of the guys for for both of these auditions coming up for us, uh, the trombone auditions, where there's some young guys who played before who either didn't advance or advanced and didn't get the job Mm -hmm. who I would love to hear again because, you know, younger players, especially in their 20s, yeah, you know, two years can be a gigantic difference yeah. in where they are at. You know, twenty four versus twenty six, like like for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we have to give a we have to give a shout out to Nathaniel uh, Silberschlag. When he was here on the show, we talked about something that you had told me how just his first concert was was something i, I can't re- i can't remember what piece it was but you were you said that you were really kind of blown away by him
2: yeah his well his first concert in the orchestra i believe was brahms first out of blossom our summer home uh-huh. and yeah you know, within five notes in rehearsal i'm looking over and thinking okay this will be fine yeah <laughs> and <laughs> no his his second week on the job we did Mahler 5 with with our music director franz and Franz wanted Nathaniel to come up front in the solo position up front by the concertmaster to play the third movement, Obligato. And he just walked up there and just bang, like he'd been there for 20 years. And I just, you know. Just yeah, quiet.
0: that's that's the beauty of being young because you're like, all right, fuck it. Let's do it. You know, no,
2: no. <laughs> you'd have no fear. To a certain extent, I, I know this sounds like Jedi mind tricks or something, but to a certain extent, that's where I've kept my mind. Mm-hmm. That my entire career is I'll never say this is hard or this is difficult. Okay. I'll always say it's challenging. Yeah. I'll ne- I, I never I never want to get myself into that negative mindset because if I go there, I'm immediately putting barriers in my way and immediately putting a negative kind of aura and and, and, and paul over the situation. Yes. And if you think about it, you know, I mean, what do I get to do? I get to go into a piece of metal for a living and I get paid for that. I, I, I just, I don't know. It's, I, I purposely have worked very hard to, to want to keep it fresh mm-hmm. and want to keep it in a place where I'm just as if not more excited to, to play a piece I've played for the 50th time rather than, you know, the first time like Mahler five.
1: Yeah. Mike, I wanted to ask you, are you able to actually vacation and not worry about the trumpet or is Is it a situation where you have to at least bring a horn to practice to keep your chops up over the course of, you know, what, two weeks or something like that?
2: It's a good question. I mean, everybody's a little bit different. I know there are some guys, they could take two weeks and not play a note and come back, pick it up, and boom, they're right back up to speed in about five minutes unfortunately i'm not one of those guys um i you know i I took a horn on our honeymoon i mean i you know i the equation for me that i figured out early on was that for every day i take off it takes me two to get back in in like prime shape so that's kind of my equation so if i if i want to take a week off i want to make sure i've got 10 days to two weeks after those seven days to be able to get back up into shape
1: i don't think people have any idea what the physical nature is of playing a brass instrument because, uh, I know I'm, I'm a bassoon player. I can walk away from the bassoon for two or three weeks. And my, my equation is if I go away for two or three weeks, I could probably get back in like two or three hours. (laughs) Like it's there, there just isn't that kind of taxation on, on the embouchure.
2: Yeah, for for us, it's definitely it's a very much an, an athletic acumen. I mean, I look at it. Right. I look at it very much like I'm, I'm an athlete in training. That I have to be in a very particular shape to be able to go into work and have the strength and the flexibility and the endurance and the nuance to be able to do what I want to do the way I want to do it. And I have a certain level that I'm just I'm not going to compromise. So, yeah, my wife and my daughter, unfortunately, have had to put up with you know me taking my horn on pretty much every vacation we've ever gone on
1: and and so you just kind of schedule in like an hour hour and yeah, a half something yeah, like that
2: yeah i mean I've, I've got a minimum kind of routine that i can do if i do this hour and 15 minutes or so if that's all i do for the day i can kind of tread water so i won't i won't mm-hmm. lose any ground so and I, and i've got practice mutes that as long as i don't use it for more than two or three days in a row i'm okay but I mean, we're a seaside resort in, you know, Corfu in Greece and I've got to, you know, leave the beach and, you know, let them kind of hang and, and, you know, play in the sand and I'll, you know, I'll go spend an hour, you know, sitting with a practice mute
1: looking out the window. Is there a limit for you? Like if you were, say you were prepping for an audition as a brass player, is there a limit to where you could almost get sore like you would if it was an athletic thing? Is that, is that a consideration in the, like the days leading up to an audition?
2: Absolutely. I mean, it's very much, I I, I equate it with, it's like training for an Olympic event. Like if you're going to run a mile or even a sprint, I mean, you've got to do all of that stuff, but then you've got to taper down just right before to make sure that you retain, you don't want to taper down too far because you don't want to lose your strength and your flexibility and you know, all the attributes and the, the, the the technique that you've got. You want to have that razor sharp. I mean, I mean, everybody to a certain extent with auditions mentally to me has to go about it that way because it's, okay, you've got that five minutes, seven minutes, 10, 12 minutes, whatever it is you're on stage. What can you do that day to peak yourself with both yourself mentally and physically for that moment to come as close as absolutely possible to your optimal best? And yeah. for, for, for a trumpet player... You know that's getting a good warm up. Make sure you're not overdoing it. I mean, I I, yeah, I can sit here and tell you stories for an hour, but I won't. But of audition experiences, when I was taking auditions and I was put in a practice room, and the guy next door to me, or player next door to me, was just banging away at stuff. Said, bam, 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 just taking like three seconds in between. And we, Magnificat was on there. She's so got the piccolo trumpet out, and he's playing. You know, bum bum, free pop. And then three seconds, bum 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 bump. It was like it was on a tape loop, and he did it five or six times, to a point where I'm thinking, man, th- this dude's going to be hamburger by the time he gets out, and he was. Yeah. You know, and and so I mean, you've got to you've got to look at it from a physical and mental standpoint of being able to know your body well enough, like an athlete, to be able to like kind of peak performance and to really peak at that moment. With with everything going on with your chops, and you know, when you're younger, you you hit and miss, and you you know, that's when you can figure it out, hopefully.
1: Right, right, yeah, I think that's the important thing. You have to take notes and see what works and what doesn't work because finding that sweet spot, I imagine, is takes a little bit of trial and error. And sometimes, you know, for a, a big audition that you have your heart set on, uh, you hope that you're on the right side of it.
2: Well, you know, y- it's real tempting when you're younger to like really go after it and just play the excerpts over and over and over and over and over and over over again. And, you know, thinking, oh my God, I gotta be playing six hours a day. And you get into this whole thing where it's quantity over quality. And you never wanna be in that sort of an equation. You always wanna be looking at the quality. And then another thing I learned that was really important, especially for this audition here in Cleveland, was that in other auditions where I wasn't as successful, I realized it was because I got away from my regular routine. I fixated on the audition so much and was only playing that material that I wasn't doing all the other fundamental stuff and the, all the other expressive stuff, playing etudes and different solo pieces or ensemble stuff or chamber music, you know, brass quintets or whatever, that was feeding into the stylistic viewpoint and ability and technique that I was using in the excerpts. So when I was just compartmentalizing on the excerpts, I was losing all that other information that was feeding it as well as kind of getting myself fresh with the excerpts that I was stepping away. And even though I'm playing the same style and the same techniques, I'm doing it in a different arena. So it's kind of a different mindset. And then I bring it back and I'm fresh with the excerpts. And, I'm just, and I do that much better with it and only enhances it. So that's kind of the equation I, I've, I came around to that ultimately led to you know, where I ended up here. You teach a
0: lot. You're at CIM, you're at Northwestern, um, you're at the, you know, the summer festivals. And so is that something, like when you're, when you're working with a student who's preparing for an audition, are those the kind of things that you're, you're walking them through? Like, how do you work with them as far as preparing them for an upcoming audition?
2: It's, this is exactly the tack I take. And a lot of it also, and I, I mention this guy all the time, that, you know, John Wooden, the great UCLA basketball coach. Mm-hmm. I'm a big disciple of Coach Wooden. Yeah. And Coach Wooden was all about fundamentals, proper fundamentals. And every single day, three minutes on this, four minutes on that, eight minutes on that. And every day it's like getting all those fundamental points of view, you know, ingrained correctly and reinforced every single day. Mm-hmm. And then from that comes all the expression, all the tools you need to be expressive and, and play in all these different styles. And just really being very thoroughly prepared from yeah. from the understanding of what you have in front of you what your intention is what you want to do with it you know what do you, what do you envision what's what's your imagery of you playing this exactly the way you want to play it mm-hmm. and then practicing that and practicing that mindset and practicing what that physicality is like to bring you into the context of the piece and really transport the listener into the piece which to me, the, the the people who are successful at auditions are the ones that they transcend the instrument. You re, you, you hear them playing Brahms or Mahler or Strauss or Debussy or Ravel. Or, or Tchaikovsky, you don't hear them playing the trumpet or the bassoon or the or the trombone.
0: Yeah, so that's really good advice because let's say you have thirty players, right? Thirty players that are, they're all quality, they're all really good players. They all deserve to be there, and they, they you know, they all could probably play in very well in any orchestra that they're asked to play. But it's that it's that seven, ten minutes, whatever, fifteen minutes that you're up there that makes you stand out. What is it that exactly that, like you said? If they're playing Brahms, you hear Brahms, or if they're playing Tchaikovsky, you hear Tchaikovsky, or whatever, the John, Ad- John Adams, whatever it is. What are you listening for when you're sitting behind the screen and you're listening to an audition? What is it that you can, is there a, something you can pinpoint, or is it just kind of overall that you're listening for?
2: Overall, for me, it's three words, compelling musical presence. All right. Let's write that All down. Right? Compelling musical presence. Compelling musical presence. And then for the detail orientation that, to me, that starts with first and foremost an enriched, beautiful sound.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't care if somebody's got technique out the wazoo. If they don't have a sound, nobody wants to hear it. So you've got to cultivate a great sound, a flexible sound, a sound with a lot of color and emotion and a wide variety in the spectrum of character. You know, of course, you need to have great intonation, okay. You know, good articulation, correct dynamics, correct tempo, yeah. you know, all the nuts and bolts of the piece. But a lot of it is also understanding how are you going to nuance something and create a specific color because you're playing with a flute here versus playing with a viola here. Yes. Or, you know, what's happening before you, you know, that that, that you come in with a very particular color because you hear the violin line that you're joining and then handing off to the, to the oboe afterwards. Mm-hmm. So... Understanding and and that goes into the preparation. The
0: preparation, yep, exactly. And to
2: me, it's it's all about the deep dive and the preparation. You, yeah, you know, the more information you know, the more comfortable you're going to be, and ultimately, the more the more confident you're going to be.
0: As long as you prepare, if somebody asks you to do something again differently, mm-hmm. you'll you'll have that confidence and you'll have that preparation mm-hmm. to do it again. Right. And you're, I mean, honestly, it's it's so great to hear you say it because you're just reinforcing what what so many other of our guests have said. It is mm-hmm. it is about what you know about the piece, doing that deep dive and and being prepared in all aspects and knowing, yeah, exactly, knowing that. Say for example, the violas have running eighth notes along with you know playing with your solo. How do you how do you incorporate that? Or yeah, who do you pass it off to? That that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I heard you say once, and it stuck with me um, for for a long time. Um, you were coaching at New World Symphony, our, our our brass players, and you said to them, "Dynamics, dynamics." You said you've I think it was something along the lines. You've heard so many auditions that people haven't won because they didn't. They couldn't play the dynamics.
2: Specifically, I can tell you that virtually every single brass audition I've been a part of in the Cleveland Orchestra, the main separating factor at the end of the day was somebody who could play softly. Yes. All right. Yeah. You know, playing softly on a brass instrument with control, with beauty, Mm -hmm. with style, with elegance, with pitch, with stability, the whole whole package. I mean, okay, for instance, two of the trumpet jobs – our second player and our fourth utility player, the separating factor was playing in a duet with me, Beethoven violin concerto.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> it is 29 yeah. A octaves, just beam, 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 be slow, soft, and that was a separating factor. It's just everybody's so keen on playing a lot of notes and getting around, you know, the instrument. It's being able to have that kind of control in the sopling. Anybody can play loud. But if you can play softly, that's mm-hmm. that's where you are as, as a brass player, playing Mozart and Haydn and Beethoven and Brahms and Schumann and Schubert and Mendelssohn, that's your bread and butter. And yeah. that's all about you know playing with assurance with your with your response. You know, that you 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 have assurance in your response, that you have a great sound that you can play inside, that you you understand being, you know, melodic, harmonic, and rhythmic support. Yep. I mean, that's why, to me, that classical repertoire is the best way for you to learn how to play in an orchestra. I mean, for for everyone, but especially, I I know this sounds crazy, but especially brass players.
0: Interesting, yeah.
2: Because, you know, playing playing the Mahler, the Strauss, a lot of that stuff plays itself. But if you can play, and you can play inside where nobody notices you, but you affect the outcome because of a particular sound and a particular way you play something that... Enhances the situation and doesn't detract.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that's so great. You're a principal player, but I'm sure you've you've listened to and, and worked with with your students about what's the difference between and I think you've 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 said it, but I playing second or uh, playing in section versus playing principal. And when you're when you're listening to an audition for a second player. Is that the kind of stuff that you're listening for? How how they can, how they would, well, so you're, you're you're playing along with mm-hmm. Beethoven violin concerto, somebody mm-hmm. 29, and that's the kind of stuff that you're listening. That's the
2: kind of stuff that you want in your section, right? You said the key word, and that's flexibility. Mm-hmm. And that's whether you're a principal player or not. And just going back briefly, flexibility in auditions is huge. Yeah. Because if you get asked to do something again, I've seen some people turtle and immediately just <laughs> oh, like freak out. Yeah. And to me, I always felt like a shark in the water with blood. When somebody asked me to do something again, that was a signal they liked what I did. Sure. Because yep. if they didn't like yep. what I did, they wouldn't want to hear me play. Exactly. It again. Yeah. They would they just they move on to the next. <laughs> right. And it was also it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to show your flexibility and nothing makes a conductor happier than to ask somebody to do something once they immediately do it and it's right where they want it to be. Yeah. I mean, so that flexibility is is a big part of being being successful on the job. But as far as a principal player versus a, a section player, I mean, it's a little bit of a different integration formula. I mean, as a principal player, I'm thinking of being, to a certain extent, a beacon for the section. I want to make sure that I'm being very consistent. The section knows where I am so we can be a cohesive unit. And then how we fit with the rest of the brass sections and how the brass section integrates with the winds and the strings as as a section player you're keying on the principal and making sure you're you're that principal's you know wing person that you're you're you know if they go left you go left it's the same amount or forward or back or and there's also little things i mean are you supporting them from underneath from behind from above you know how are you coloring it because there are certain things like like in an octave, I like the second player to be playing slightly more than me and a little bit broader than me so I can fit my sound within the octave mm-hmm. so that my upper octave doesn't peel away and kind of you know, lose, lose connection. I want to be able to sit on top of her within that octave and that lower beefy yeah. octave. And that lower beefy octave then acts as a bridge to the horns and the trombone so there's more of a cohesiveness throughout the brass section. Wow so, so there's a lot of things as a section player, you're thinking about where else is my voice taking place yeah. in, within the brass section, and how do I make sure and, you know, coalesce all of that along with being right with with the principal player? And then it's my job and the principal player's jobs to make sure we're all on the same page. So sure. nobody's chasing each other's tail. And then you have kind of a, you know i call it the wall of tone you know you have this <laughs> yes. you know this this entity kind of going forward you know taking a step forward together rather than you know 16 individuals
0: yeah but as a principal like for those that are just starting out as a principal player these are the things that you have to know that you want to be able to convey to your to your section and to others around you you have to know what you want right as a principal player mm-hmm. and you know you want to you obviously you're going to work you're going into an orchestra let's say your principal trombone for Cleveland. Let's say this after the audition, you hire someone and they're starting out uh, as, as a new principal player. What advice do you give that person or those people that are going out there and joining an established orchestra that has, you know, a quote unquote sound and a way of playing things in a way. So what, what kind of advice do you have for them? A couple things. First
2: of all, do your homework. Yeah. All right. Be prepared to the nines to come in like a cannonball, your first rehearsal, like you've been there for 10 years. And then as far as your integration, assimilate. And the best thing you can do is listen. Mm -hmm. Listen a lot more than speak, that's for sure. Listen, see what other people are doing. Follow what's going on. Um, I've, I've seen some people go into situations and shoot themselves in the foot because they feel like, They've been given some mandate and they're there to showcase their talents. That's, you know, you go down that road, you're going to be, you're going to set yourself up for failure. Exactly. But I can only speak to my own experience. I mean, here I am, I'm 26. Mm -hmm. I'm joining an orchestra where I'm the first new guy in the trumpet section in 17 years, the first new principal trumpet in 30. Mm. (laughs) And I'm surrounded by guys who are all, you know, 20, 30 years older than me who've been there. And my feeling was I'm going to play like I play. But my main thing is... I'm going to play like I play, but yet fitting into their fabric.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm going to be, I'm I'm not here to showcase and, and, and be an individual. I'm here to be a team player. Yeah. Even though I'm a principal, even though I'm expressing myself and have a little more latitude in some ways, I still am doing it within that context. And then the communication with the group, if something wasn't happening... If I had a different idea, because I'm anybody's going to be a different player than any other, sure. and I was different than my predecessor. And if something didn't work, I turned to Dave, my second player, who's you know 30 years my senior, and say, well, what did Bernie do? Yeah. And his response was, well, you know, Bernie would do this, but what do you have in mind? Right. And I said, well, you know, can we try this? And here's and the so other thing is have something in mind. <laughs> have have in, have your intentions be very clear. Have yeah. something in mind but have reasoning and rationale behind it that you can back it up. Don't just do it because, yeah, I think this will be cool. Right. You know, I mean, have reasoning and rationale and, and, and reason for doing it. But i tell Dave what I wanted to do, and he always said, okay, let's try it. And sometimes it worked, and he came my way, and other times it didn't work, and it was obvious why he and Bernie did what they did because it worked. So it worked, then yeah. I went, and I went that direction. Sure. So it's like we found our new paradigm that we kind of – came together in a new place and that's that's the opportunity with any new player yeah. coming in is that you have that, that new chemistry and that new energy and what I hope when the, with these new trombone players coming in when we hire them is that they assimilate in that kind of manner, that they bring in a new and exciting and, and different perspective. I, I want that different perspective, I want to be challenged, mm-hmm. I want to have that dialogue because that opens it up that they understand where I'm coming from, I understand where they're coming from, and it only means from there we can seek new ground together.
0: and that's the beautiful thing about about winning an audition because you've done your homework, you've done the deep dive, you've done that. Everybody's listening to you. they picked they picked you, right? Now you're there. They liked what you did. so continue with that. don't don't try and don't try and change it up because you're not being true to yourself, right?
2: Don't try to be more than you are in a yeah. sense. you don't have to be, you know, you don't have right. to be Superman. I mean, go in. Obviously, like you said, they liked what they heard in the audition. They felt that that fit what they were looking for and that would fit their ensemble. I mean, when you're sitting behind the screen or in the finals when when the screen is down, you know, I like to shut my eyes and listen to somebody. And can I hear myself and can I hear the rest of the brass yeah. section or the rest of the orchestra? Can I hear that in the orchestra? Yeah. Yeah. And the answer's got to be Yes otherwise that's not our person and yeah. often it's very clear to be honest with you I mean there's always this aha moment where it's like somebody shines this like beacon of light onto somebody on stage and it's crystal clear who the person is yeah. or if we're lucky there's there's a couple people and we have a, a you know bounty of riches to choose from and we, you know we could we have a win-win where you know I I'll take yeah. either of these guys but almost always there's one person who stands up above uh, out above everybody else that's the choice,
0: yeah, and I think that's that's really important to know that this this goes not just for for brass section, but this is this is everybody in the section. Every every audition that you're doing, they want you there. They picked you, so go in there, do what you you did in, in the audition, and and really, you know, and and also, I, I love what you said about just listening. It's so yeah. important, and it and that's oh. you know, I just think that's that's good good advice just in general in life, right? Yeah. You, shut up. You don't have to say something just because you feel like you need to. I always, I have this thing that I just—it's called wait. I always put it on on stuff. Why am I talking? If I don't need to say anything, don't say anything. I, I had to learn that the hard way. I wish you would listen to me more. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think we all we all should listen to Matt more.
1: <laughs> oh man, listen—I'm actually kidding. JT has been really good like this is a new thing for him i don't know how many people know this jt was not a radio host he's a a violist and an administrator and a wonderful person but you know, I kind of conned JT into doing this podcast. I'm very And gullible. he's taking the ball and run with it and has been an absolute pleasure. So I'm totally teasing when I say that about Thank
0: you. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. Wow, this is this this is a weird dynamic for us.
1: Yeah, JT prefers more <laughs> of like the animus.
0: Yeah, I do. I do indeed. <laughs> uh, so listen, Mike, I know um, I wanted to talk to you just really quick because you, you do this uh, String Summer Festival in Steamboat Springs in Colorado, mm-hmm. which I think is is really cool. I didn't know that, that you, you were a conductor and that you do this and, and work with string players, you know, because it's so kind of not what people would think. So what are you guys doing? Are you, are you doing stuff
2: this summer? Or? Actually, we're going to have a little bit of a different season from a programming standpoint and a little bit different from the concerts that we normally would do when we would do them. But we are having our, our summer festival this summer. We're going to be awesome. doing it, on, unfortunately, without any Windsor brass. Yeah. So I'm not going to be playing this summer. But just to back up for a sec, this um, this is a festival that started, you know, I think we're in our 33rd season or 34th season coming up this summer. It was originally started by some uh, St. Louis Symphony people as uh, Strings in the Mountains Okay, at Steamboat Springs. And then it's, been, it's just been shortened to Strings. Mm-hmm. And was always very string piano centric with once in a while they bring in some, some brass and wind players. They do some orchestra concerts, you know, they could fit about 35 piece orchestra and I was brought in initially as a consultant by the board chair who I knew mm-hmm. um, back about 8 9 years ago and the more we talked the more I guess it kind of resonated for them that maybe they wanted to take the festival slightly different a different manner I mean obviously a trumpet player running a festival called Strings Music yeah. Festival seems a little <laughs> I think it's awesome know, I think it's great yeah but but what I proposed and have done was I, I felt like, of course, piano and strings are the central pillar of all Western chamber music and, and orchestral music, mm-hmm. but that there's a lot of other stuff involving winds and brass and percussion and singers and different genres that I felt like we could explore there that would both be very artistically viable and also be extremely entertaining. Yeah. So I've done everything from uh, Baroque concerts. Uh, we did a, a all, you know, a bunch of Brandenburgs uh, to end our season a couple of years ago. We've done a chamber music version of Mahler Five for twenty players. Ooh! That this wonderful ensemble called the Natalia Ensemble out of Paris. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yes. We did an arrangement of Mahler Five, and they were gracious enough to allow us to use it, and we did that it was phenomenal. And then um, we've also had um, a good friend of mine, Laura Schissel, who's a musicologist and archivist at the Library of Congress. Hmm. And he basically uh, curated – the first show we did was a – a civil war brass band concert where he brought all this music from the library of Congress. And we had narrators and we had Matthew Brady and, and Gardner photography from the battlefields and civil war letters, battlefield letters read by narrators and then music interspersed. It was kind of a, a mini Ken Burns civil war in concert.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's right up your alley with, with yeah. uh, history, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Very so cool. I love that. Yeah. And then Loris also, we did a, we did an all Gershwin concert uh, based on a radio program that Gershwin had done in 1932. And he brought all the original music from that, and then uh, we did a ragtime concert where he, um, uh, Loris is the curator of Gunther Schuller's estate uh, for the for his music. Uh-huh. So he has all Gunther's red book and you know all his ragtime stuff that he had curated. Awesome. So we brought all that out. So it can go anything from a Beethoven symphony to Brandenburg to this stuff right. to chamber music to you know all sorts of different things. And it, it, you know we've we've gotten to explore a real wide variety. For me, it's been a real upswing and kind of a deep dive and, and steep learning curve on on string chamber music, string yeah. and piano chamber music. Sure. I mean, I've learned a lot of about that and you know, my wife will give me grief because I'll I'll be upstairs and I'll be like, yeah, tonight's French chamber music night where I'm just doing like a three hour deep dive and but the thing is I also I I know what I don't know. And going into this, I you know I went to some experts. I went to some cellists and concert masters and pianists and violists and, and people mm-hmm. who played all this music. And I said, all right, what are the major pieces? What yeah, do what I do need I to need listen to? to? What yeah. do I need to know? And then I started exploring, and then I started coming to them with pieces and asking them about these different pieces and tell me about this and tell me your background playing this and the style. and. So it's really been wonderful for yeah. me to kind of curate this, and then the conducting part just—it was kind of a natural outgrowth that just kind of fell into my lap. That you know, I had done a little bit of some brass ensemble stuff, and sure. you know, the sectionals uh, at CIM and you know, brass wind readings, and so I've conducted a lot of the major repertoire. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and it's just something that I found that I really, I really enjoy. My main acumen as a conductor is do no harm. <laughs> you know, and my my whole thing is just. Hire great players. Yeah. Help when necessary. Otherwise, stay out of their way stay and the you know way. let let them <laughs> let them let them do what if, you know, what they do great. If only all conductors could do that, right? You know, help when needed, <laughs> but do no you know a yeah, right. oath, it's a Hippocratic oath. Just like do no
0: harm. Right, right, right. No, that's very <laughs> cool, and I love it. Kind of brings it back to you know you always just wanting to kind of learn and 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 have that mentality of of being young and, and just kind of continuing to learn. So so congrats on that. No, well, thank you. Thank you for being on behind the screen. It was really great to talk to you and kind of and kind of pick your brain about about auditions. I think a lot of people will will really appreciate your outlook on on it, on it and I think the, if we could take away one thing about this is just shut up and listen.
2: Yeah, I mean I, and I just <laughs> I want to add one other thing. I, but besides besides just do a lot more listening than talking, that's for sure. But I I don't know, maybe I'm an alien but I got my mind around, again, Jedi mind tricks, I guess. Yeah. When I was taking auditions, I got my mind to a point where I was looking forward to, it and I enjoyed. I, I loved taking auditions. I was never one of those guys who's, oh, God, yeah. I got to take this audition. Oh, I can't. Oh, man, this is going to be torture. Oh, I hope they don't ask this. I just wanted to be that guy that I couldn't wait to get in there. I was pumped. I was psyched. I was going to go in there and kill it Yeah. and have that kind of, Bulldog mentality and just, you know, you you, need that, you know, and the guys that I've seen successful have been the guys that that didn't have that, you know, that negative outlook that really created a positive environment around their preparation and around the way they were going to go do this and really look at it. Look at it as an opportunity. I mean, you go into an audition. What's the worst thing that happens? Right. You totally royally screw it up. And you 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 just slaughter it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Been, you, been there.
2: Yeah, me too. And <laughs> like you know, I, I there's one audition I took. It just, it's like somebody shoved a lightning bolt up my ass. It's just like, <laughs> it's like what what? It's like I couldn't play in tune. I couldn't play in yep. time. I'm like missing notes right and left. It's yep. like what the hell? You know. But if you learn from it and take that opportunity and realize it's just a moment in time, and stuff is going to happen, and you just you know, yeah. you move on from it, but but you you look at it. Everything is an opportunity, and you walk away from that horrific, you know, car crash situation. Yeah. What's the worst thing that happens? You walk away with your horns. You walk away with you. You walk away with the opportunity to learn to learn. And
0: do better. You got to take that that complete, you know, nosedive and and oh, yeah. make it make it some make it something. You got to learn from it, and you've got to build on that, right? Because, yeah. you know, you can't keep doing it over and over again. You you know definition of of insanity
2: i mean the worst audition experience i had was the audition experience the audition prior to me taking the cleveland audition yeah where i just i walked in my mind was in the wrong place my physical preparation was in the wrong place and I just i sat there and it was playing in the orchestra and i got cotton mouth and i died every four bars i couldn't play and i thought to myself well somebody just pull the trap door and like <laughs> the chair goes bunk and somebody else comes up in my place <laughs> and you know i walked away from there and i was devastated and i thought i thought man this is how it ends man i'm done yeah. and then you know after feeling sorry for myself i gave myself a pity party for about 24 hours and then I got pissed and it was like, all right, I'm going to figure out why that happened. Yes, so I yeah. never, ever, ever do that again. And that's, you know, that's what you, you, you have to do. And, you know, if you keep it in that kind of mindset, you'll, you'll ultimately be successful in some way.
0: All right, Mike. Listen, thank you so much, man, for being on the show. We want to have you back because I know we've got a lot more to talk about. Good luck on the auditions coming up. You know, yeah, that's Thanks. Be, we just, yeah.
2: We just fingers crossed. We just need one for each. Exactly.
0: Room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you'll get them. But yeah. but
2: listen, to, you know, to Matt. It's great great seeing you and meeting you and, and JT. Man, always a pleasure to get to talk and hang with
0: you. Thank you to the audience for 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 listening to Behind the Screen, for subscribing, for for being a part of of these conversations, and we'll. See you soon.